Hello and welcome to the Way Athletic Supporters Mental Health Group Q&A with Elastic's Head of the Academy, Gregory York. As always, my name is Jay Whittle and I'll be your host for this very special event this evening. First and foremost, Gregor, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks, yeah. A um, couple of days recovery after our trip down to Bristol and uh, yeah, looking forward to the weekend very much so. I think that's a great place to start the uh, the evening and, and what a way to win a game of football. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. I think uh, when you're looking at the game, and you know, there's it was almost it was almost looking like we were going to end up drawing the game in the ninety fourth minute. And you know, everybody's got a mobile phone these days, and you hear that with all the efforts that we've been putting in, not only on Tuesday night, but also the Saturday before, where we didn't get any points out of the, the performance against Lincoln, and on the back of um, performance against Hull City you're thinking the draw is a good place to start really and uh, try and build from that but that would have seen us go bottom of the table which just wouldn't have sort of been a fair reflection of, of, of the efforts that went in and then of course Tello puts a, a lovely free kick in the box and, and Scott Wooten's there to, to, to knock it in and uh, yeah with it being the last kick of the game it didn't really give Bristol Rovers much chance to recover Absolutely, it's the perfect time to score. Last kick of the game, and obviously it sent all the fans wild watching over I following. What were the celebrations like on the touchline and on the coach drive home? Well, on the touchline, as you as you saw, it was it was great. I mean, you just mentioned Ash there on the commentary, and I've heard a bit of it back, and you could hear the passion and the uh, the elation really. And you know, I found myself a little box, a little Bielsa box next to the dugout, and I was trying to keep myself nice and calm. And then as we scored, I get up and I think I'm almost on the pitch and realise it's not academy football anymore and that you can't can't do that. And as I was trying to hold myself back, I could see Liam Richardson come past me, Peter Murphy, Frankie Bond coming past me, all the subs. And I thought it was like a herd of elephants coming past. So it was great. I mean, the, the feeling of that moment there with all what we've gone through. It just almost came out in one emotion. And and we've been trying to get the lads, the new lads in particular, to bond really well with the with the lads who've been here and feel how much it, it means to us. And I was pleased for Scott as well because I know how hard it was for him at half time when he gets the call off of his wife that he's going to have his um, second child and his wife's gone into labour. And he has to leave us at 2-0 down and it wasn't easy for him. So for him to to put that goal in, I think he felt a, a great deal of reward there as well. So the way back was a little bit of a, uh, a come down because it's a long journey back. We're on two coaches these days because of the, the COVID rules. So there's not really a great deal of, of, of that bond in between staff and players on the coach journeys in particular. Uh, we were just shattered, really, if I'm being honest. So we were quite happy to just shut our eyes and and just uh, just enjoy the moment. It was a fantastic moment. And in terms of, uh, you mentioned there how it's been more difficult uh, in terms of bonding the new, and integrating the new lads into the squad. Has it been a lot more difficult with the coronavirus pandemic and obviously the challenges that brings? Yeah, it has, Jay, because we brought in quite a number of new players. I mean, that was a challenge in itself, uh, bringing in new players because as everybody knows when you're in administration there are different rules for you than there are for the other clubs in the league and 
restrictions on the amount of players, restrictions on the amount of money that you can pay the players, etc. So recruiting players has been mightily tough. And I think Liam, Gary Finley, who came in to help us, all the staff have done brilliantly in uh, in recruiting some some fantastic uh, players. More importantly, fantastic lads. We were we were keen to bring in great characters, and we done our research on on all the players before they came to the football club to make sure that they were great lads. We need great people around us uh, going forward with this challenge that we have. But then, with the COVID restrictions, you can't eat together in the canteen. You're not allowed to. Uh, be in changing rooms for too long. You can't go out and even take the lads for a bite to eat to integrate them in and socialise. It's been really tough. So we've we've been speaking quite a lot myself, Liam and, and staff about identity, creating an identity uh, for the players. I think these Zooms are great. I know Callum and, and the guards were on one last night with supporters. I think that's vital for uh, the new players as well coming in just to get that connection with the supporters. You know, we're, 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 I think we're all on the same page. We know exactly what's expected of us. But from my perspective as well, it's trying to, you know, let the players that have come in know about our history, our identity, who we are, where we come from, um, the, the, the fabric of the club. You know, you go back in the Dave Whelan days and, uh, etc. And understanding how important it is to wear wear the Wigan Athletic shirt. So the players have been great with that, and uh, it's been a slow process, but we're we're getting there. It's been really amazing to see all the players gel together and the squad unity that they have there on the pitch. You can clearly see there's relationships forming, and it does take time in football to build that understanding. But it's been really nice to see the lads growing confidence. I know a lot of the younger players. Uh, Chris Merry's one I always pinpoint the amount of growth they've had throughout the season and how they've improved and now have that freedom to impose themselves on game is brilliant. And in terms of choosing victory, it was a massive morale boost for everyone at the club. How much confidence do you think this victory will give to the side going into Saturday's trip to Peterborough? I think it gives us great confidence going forward, not just only on Saturday, but but thereafter. Um, you know, we, as, as Liam said in his post-match, Meeting, we seem to be coming up against teams that have change, so it gives them a little bit of energy, uh, such as Bristol Rovers with a new manager. Uh, Peterborough have just gone top of the table uh, going into the weekend. But I think from our perspective, I think performances breed confidence. I think the last two performances have certainly uh, given us the benchmark of that's the minimum requirement. We need to back that up with more of the same. The 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 win. Uh, breeds huge confidence playing uh, without too many changes you know it's been mentioned about the back four I think we went something like 30 odd games where we'd gone from last season to this season where we'd managed to uh, um, have the same start in 11 I think in one one particular weekend about uh, six seven eight weeks ago and and that just shows a disruption We've been, it's been a real disruptive time uh, and, and a lot of change and we've got to manage that change and, and deal with what comes our way so certainly looking forward to the weekend ahead certainly looking forward to the challenges that it brings and uh, I, I know the players are as well and when you've got back-to-back games like midweek games Saturday games you sometimes need that energy re-energise and, and certainly on the back of a win that helps bring about energy 
absolutely. It's, it was a, a massive uh, win in regards to the confidence of the rest of the season. And obviously as well, Bristol Rovers are a team around similar place in the, releg- in the uh, relegation zone too. So obviously a big point for that point of view. And in terms of, you mentioned there, the challenges that you've faced and how have you found the last eight months at Wigan Athletic with both the coronavirus pandemic and the administration providing real challenges to everyone at the club? Yeah, I think, uh, we well, we're, we're dealing with a crisis within a crisis, aren't we? And that's the, the best way really of summing it up. When we go back to nearly a year ago, well, a year ago, I was in, in looking forward and enjoying an FA Youth Cup tie over at Manchester United at Old Trafford and, and, and we brought 2,000 plus fans to watch that game. Um Tello Asgard came on as a substitute that day. Joe Gellart pulled his hamstring leading into it. Cal uh, Joseph played up front. And uh, and then soon after, only a couple of weeks after, we go into, uh, into lockdown. That was a, a challenge in itself, um, dealing with that, understanding that we won't be able to bring fans into the football club, working closely with the senior management team and, and the chairman, Darren Royal, Jonathan Jackson, chief exec on all the challenges we were facing between then and the end of the season. Um, of course, Paul, Liam, all the staff and players were heroic with their performances and results, gave us all a lift while we were sat at home watching the games uh, on, on stream. And um, and then, of course, the, the big body blow of, of, of going into administration. So the disruption, as I say, disruptive times was, was was quite unique. I don't think anybody else has really faced probably what we've had, um, losing all our players, uh, senior players, having to uh, bring in other players that, that uh, to replace them, young players coming through by default in some cases and actually standing on their own two feet and they've done terrifically well. Um but um, I think I think overall, when you look at all the disruption, we Liam pointed out the other day that we've had no for a long time now. We've been eight months in administration. We've had no chairman, no chief executive, uh, no manager, uh, no board of directors, no supporters being able to come into the uh, stadium. Uh, we've lost numerous top quality staff uh, going on to uh, pastures new. Um, but we've we've stuck at it. We've dug deep, and uh, we we are still, uh, which what we were always aiming to be, come January the first, in with a fighting chance leading into the end of the season. And uh, I think we've been through times before at this football club where we've been written off, and uh, that's a huge mistake to do that to any to a Wigan Athletic group of people and uh, we're still in with a fighting chance and we're fully committed to try and achieve what will be a great achievement should we stay in this league and I think the overall thing that really comes to the fore with me is our supporters last watched us play uh, a game of football live while we were playing in the championship Uh, we will not allow it to happen where the next time they watch us play will be in league two we will be in league one with all the efforts that we're going to put forward over the last 16 games of the season. I think with all the adversity that we're going to have to go face and the fact that we still remain competitive after the majority of the majority of the season, I think it's been three quarters away through now. It's remarkable. You should be so proud of the job you've done. And how important is it to, to keep a siege mentality when the times are really tough and obviously you're facing all this adversity? 
Yeah, I, de I definitely think it is about a siege mentality. Um, uh, and I think that we've been through all the upset, through all the different challenges. And, and I think that we've had all the different types of emotions, uh, uh, upset, disappointment, uh, anger, uh, the fight, all the different emotions. And I think now, once we manage to uh, put together the group of players that we have, uh, the window shut on the 1st of February. Uh, we knew no players were going out. We knew that no players are likely to come in uh, thereafter. And, and, and it's for the first time, really, over the past uh, six weeks or so, uh, not even that, is it? It's, it's four weeks that we've, uh, we've actually been able to find some sort of calm, some sort of stability. And, and I think... There has to be huge, uh, huge plaudits and credibility goes to Liam and the way that he's approached every day at our football club. Because not only is seeing him after games, pre and post match, how positive he's been, he's shown immense leadership qualities uh, in and around the training ground uh, every day. Um, every time he talks to the players, uh, I think he, he, he displays a, a calm leadership and a passion. Uh, and we're, as I say, we're all on the same page and listening to the two lads last night, all the similar messages that have been talked about over the last few weeks are really coming to the fore. It's been absolutely remarkable. And in, in terms of the, the last eight months, there's been such a transition of change from, from staff to players to, to management. How have you been coping personally, mentally during this really tough period? Yeah, I, th I think the first lockdown, if we go back to last March, I think just that immediate change was, was quite difficult. Although we had some fantastic weather, didn't we? So I think we were quite enjoying that times, the back garden. Uh, you know, I won't, I won't name a few name names in the academy staff. Some were drinking pims in the back garden, but, uh, you know, and a glass of wine and a, and a couple of beers. And, you know, uh, life slowed down. A great deal, and and I'm used to like hectic, a uh, hectic week, a hectic day. The moment I go in, um, you know, you've got the full time staff. The moment that you go home, having left the evening academy part time program, it's it's quite a hectic day. So going from hundred mile an hour to almost zero mile an hour was 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 quite difficult to deal with. Um, wasn't used to it, but then, you know, I think again. Uh, coming out the other side of that uh, for myself uh, was about keeping myself busy, finding a purpose, uh, having direction. Those are the sort of two big words I would say that are important to me is, is purpose and direction. So I found myself uh, out of routine. So I, I kind of had, me, I saw it on a Twitter account. Somebody put their 10 commitments well, it was called Ten Commandments, and they it's like up by a certain time was number one, bed by a certain time was number ten, and had another eight in between. And I thought that's great that I'll make it my ten commitments. So you know things like I like to listen to more podcasts, uh, which I, I did do, and I've, I've listened to all yours, Jay. I have to give you that plug. You've been absolutely terrific for us uh, over this sort of period of time. Um, reading a little bit more, um, exercising was a big thing for me. So I had these 10 commitments for, and, and ticking them off and felt like I was achieving something. It was a bit of a direction. Of course, I'm back to work, been back to work since uh, July. And um, 
it's been full on all the way through. Those commitments uh, are no longer, uh, I'm not sticking to majority of them. I've certainly got to get back to doing some more exercise and, and doing a bit more uh, for myself on that side of things. Um, but my mind's been busy and my mind's kept busy with that. Um, and now for us all, all on the Zoom, for us all that are listening in, uh, all, the, all the people in, in the UK, we've got a purpose, we've got a direction from the announcement the other day. We can start looking forward to things, we can start planning things. And I think that's really important, you know, we get back to back to doing those sort of things to, to give us something to look forward to. And uh, no doubt uh, we'll be looking forward to when our supports can come back in and, and watch us play football. That's a great answer, and, and every Wigan Athletic fan cannot wait to get back in the DW Stadium. And over the last uh, 12 months with the coronavirus pandemic, we, we've recently set up the Wigan Athletic Supporters Mental Health Group, which uh, are all joining tonight. And uh, we're going to open the floor up now for fans to ask you questions. Uh, before I, uh, I open the floor, what do you think the fans might ask you? Um, I, I'm not really sure. I said to Ash, I'm pretty quite relaxed. I mean, th- it could be anything from, um, from the, the, the administration to running the academy to uh, stepping up the first team environment, any of those, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do my best to answer uh, any question that comes my way. You'll, you'll be absolutely terrific. And uh, by the way, if you don't feel comfortable enough to ask a question, please don't feel pressured into it because we can always happily move on to the next person. Also, if you think of a question uh, throughout uh, the conversations feel free to put it in the chat also so the first person that we're going to go to is the wing athletic supporters mental health group ambassador adam brooks so adam feel free to unmute the microphone and ask gregor your chosen question thank you jay hiya gregor okay um my question to you is uh especially this season i've noticed that um the players that you've kind of developed through the academy they seem very mature and well-grounded and I just wanted to ask you about kind of your philosophies and how you help them mature as a player. Great question, Adam. Uh, not always easy because, you know, the world is always forever changing. And when I started my time in 2007 as an academy manager at Coventry to join in uh, Wigan Athletic in 2013 and then to now, it's working and, and developing and, and trying to guide young players, young people is is is, is forever changing. Um, I think when, when I when I came to the club, we were very much an academy that used to take the release players from other clubs. We hadn't really developed too many of our own through our uh, our age groups. So we put a huge focus on our foundation phase, which we've got, I think, the best coach in the country uh, at foundation phase in our 9s, 10s and 11s age groups called Jay Cochran. Uh, He then is the first person that they uh, are up with and he develops the the environment. Uh, he, He develops the fun. Uh, he develops what it's like to be a Wigan Athletic player. And then, you know, we work all the way through the age groups now. And I think we had a, f- a core focus on bringing in players that were released from other clubs at 14. That was a core age group for us. So ones that we've developed our own throughout those age groups up until 14, carry them on 15, 16. Can they get an apprenticeship at our club? 
or other clubs releases at under 14 and then you get a couple of years of really working on their maturity working on their character understanding what we expect from them as a Wigan Athletic player uh, what, what the values are of the football club so you get a bit of time and then you, you, you can influence them uh, quite well in that respect and then of course the lads who've been with us in our first team this year they've been thrown in the deep end they've had to grow up quick and uh, but they've been with us for quite a long time uh, Chris Merry Callum Lang since the age of 13 um, Tello Asgard 13, 14 um, Kyle Joseph since the age of 13 you know and the list goes on so I think Luke Robinson 14 so I think I think that really is 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 the big thing, and we've taken cherry picked a few from sixteen upwards, not many uh, from other clubs, and then when they come into our environment now, Adam, the they com, com, uh, conform to the to the way that we the we the way that we work. No, it's really interesting. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's uh, really good, and credit if you're uh, keeping them on the toes. So. Good luck on uh, on Saturday. Thank you. What a great question. And next up is Ben Foster, who is currently the under-16s coach of Charlie FC, alongside his dad, Graham. Hi, Greg. I hope you're well. Um, obviously, you started your coaching journey quite young, um, getting your A licence at, at 23, 24-ish, uh, managing abroad by, you know, by the time you were 30. Um, I was wondering if you could just kind of tell us a bit about your journey into coaching you know you know your coaching process as a young man growing up um and what advice you give to somebody that's looking to to kind of follow in those footsteps so to speak i i was i was probably a little bit more fortunate ben thanks very much for the question the, the most in in the sense of uh, my father of course uh, was um, an established manager and um, by the time i would going into coaching, even when I became a professional footballer at the age of 17, 18, he asked me how long I expected to have a career in the game as a footballer and I couldn't give him an answer. Um, and if any of you watched me play, you probably couldn't give me an answer either. I wasn't that that great, you know. So, um, But I was desperate to stay in football. So we had a long conversation about what that looked like. We noticed that, that most people would finish their careers at, in their 30s and then go into coaching. Um, why wait until you're in your 30s before you go into coaching? Why not do it when you're young, when you have the time? Um, so throughout my, I did my coaching badge as young as you mentioned, and then throughout my time as a as a player when I was at Macclesfield, Shrewsbury, Hull City, I'd go into the, uh, the Centre of Excellence as it was at the time to do a bit of additional coaching and, and get used to putting on sessions uh, with young players, uh, 11, 12, 13-year-olds. And it and it brought about that confidence in coaching for me and a love for it as well and seeing players who respond and, and improve. And I don't think there's any greater feeling than that when you see uh, somebody respond and, and really improve from, from time to time. And uh, so I, I was lucky I had the guidance on that, on that side of it and, and it carried on uh, to do things and, I've always tried to do things before I go into them. So I've, I've just come, I went back to study. I'm a life learner. I, 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 that's how I um, see myself. I'm always learning. 
and uh, I've just finished a master's degree uh, 12 months ago in a sport and directorship. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that these are the things that you've got to do, take yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's what I say to any young young coach, aspiring coach, uh, take yourself out of the comfort zone. Don't take no for an answer. Uh, get as much uh, experience as you can. And I've had a great mentor since I was about 19 years of age who works at the football club as well, called Alex Gibson. And my dad put me in touch with Alex when he was working at the FA. Alex then went from the FA to work as the under-18s, a head of coaching under-18s at, at uh, Man City. Uh, and then I ended up working with him at Man City part-time as well. If somebody young can find a mentor, somebody who's prepared to really take them on a coaching journey, it, it, it helps. It helps open up doors as well. I no, appreciate that, Gregor. If you're uh, looking for somebody to mentor, I'll put myself forwards for that, mate. Um, I think my uh, dad's got a question as well for you. Hi, Gregor. How are you doing? How you doing? I'm great. You? Yeah, not too bad. A question on the first team. Given the amount of players we've had turnover from last season's squad, those who are still around from last season, having seen their mates and fellow players move on to what some may see as pastures greener, has it been difficult to keep them motivated and focused on the task at hand for this season? I think the... By the way, I still... You mentioned uh, coaching at Chorley. I, I still haven't forgiven Chorley, by the way. I have to put that one down there early on um, for, for the for probably the biggest upset I've had this season. Um, I'll, I'll let Jamie know you're not happy with him then. <laughs> Um, but uh, no, I think I think leading up to January, it was very difficult, very difficult to manage. Because as I say, when you don't have uh, a leadership above you, such as the board of directors, the chief, the chairman, when these guys are able to set the direction of the football club, and we haven't had that all season. We know what we need to do to achieve, but we haven't had the direction. So you, you look at the challenges we had was players who were involved in a, a fantastic squad that were relegated by by uh, by the administration situation and default, really. It was, it was unfair. And players who were capable, more than capable, of playing championship football um, in the championship. So... That, that, that's been difficult. But the, all those that were left behind were great individuals, unbelievable human beings who respected the situation, respected the football club and respected Liam and gave their all, whether they were in for a short period of time before they left the pre-season or whether they left in the January window, they gave their all every single day. And those that have, have remained have given their all. And that's all we can ask. And... Uh, we're all, as I say, all on the same page, working towards making sure we, we remain in this division. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gregor. That's, that's a great answer. And I'll now pass the, the baton over to one of the founders of the Northern Ireland Wing Athletic Supporters Group, Clive Dalgleish. So, Clive, you want to uh, ask your question? Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Gregor, for coming on tonight. And uh, I just want to thank you for your service since 2013. Amazing job. Um, two two little questions. The first one, just probably give me a yes, no. Um, 
your success at the club has been noticed by all the fans, but it's obviously been noticed by other football communities. Have you ever been approached by another club? Um, at both clubs, when I was at Coventry and at Wigan, uh, I have been approached uh, by by a couple of clubs, but um, I've, I've really enjoyed my time here. Uh, and when I joined, and, and, and I have to bring him into the conversation, uh, Jonathan Jackson, who was my boss, he brought me to the football club. And I think the absolute world of Jonathan, I think he was the best boss I ever had. Um, when I spoke with him just before, a few weeks before I joined the club, I met him um, at, at, at Junction 15. Uh, he was on the way to um, uh, St George's Park for a conference. And I live in Nantwich, so we met at Junction 15 at a hotel, had a coffee and a discussion about the club. And we were only supposed to have sort of 45 minutes before he went to the conference. And we spent two hours chatting football, chatting Wigan Athletic, um, his history, uh, where, what, you know, his, his upbringing with the football club, what it meant to him. And, and I just asked him about working with good people. He said, you'll be working with the best people. And he was a, a brilliant recruiter of people. And I, I asked him about people leaving, etc. even back then. And he said, a lot of people have opportunities to leave, but they enjoy it so much at Wigan Athletic, they, they tend to stay. And they were his exact words, and I never forget them. And um, he was right. Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, and second question is, have you got any appetite to go into management? Because you've, you've managed a club abroad. Yeah, I did when I was younger. Um, when I finished playing, I thought that was my pathway, and I thought that was what uh, what my next step would be. You know, probably also following my father's footsteps, having watched him from a very young age. Um, you know, intrinsically, uh, subconsciously, I should say, um, picking up all sorts of different uh, leadership styles, ways of working. Um, but I can honestly say absolutely not. <laughs> oh, oh, certainly, uh, people are saying, has this season not changed your mind? No, it's, it's cemented me, me mindset that first team management is, is, is for, definitely not for me. It's for, for, for somebody of a different, uh, different type. I think uh, it's been a, a hugely well-rounded experience for me. Um, I think we know uh, what we've had to do. Uh, I think from my personal perspective, I, I'm somebody who's been at two football clubs over 15 years. And if you want to go into football management, you're not going to get that time. So I like to build a culture, an environment, a structure. I like the strategy side of of, of running the academies that I've done. And I've, as I mentioned before, I've gone on to do on an academic side of things, this sporting directorship course, um, which I'm sort of getting a lot of practice at that at this current moment in time. And I think probably that will be my future, uh, would be going not necessarily in the next sort of two to three years, but in the long term, 
would be being put in a sporting director where I could uh, have an influence on all the departments at the club and, and take my experiences of an academy into uh, a full club environment. Excellent, uh, Gregor. Thank you very much for your time, and I wish you every success. You're welcome. Um, I just to follow on for that, the lows are too low uh, when you get beat. As I mentioned, Chorley, ah, oh, what a bad day! And you know we've we've had some uh, some tough results, and 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 you take them so 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 to heart. And uh, the highs the highs probably just aren't quite big enough for me to to go down that route, but. Uh, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's still a great experience. Excellent. Excellent. With the, Thank you. With the Charlie game, I'm sure it still gives people nightmares, but obviously we've had our underdog stories so many times against Manchester City. We beat Crystal Palace when they were a Premier League team at West Ham, Bournemouth. So I think we can taste our own medicine on, on occasion, but obviously it's still not enjoyable. And now we're remaining abroad. And one special League Athletic fan, he, he supported the club for many years. He's actually stayed up till 4am to, to actually ask you a question tonight, Gallon Lung. Uh, do you want to ask your question next so you can uh, get some sleep? <laughs> Hi, Gregor. Thanks, man. It's been yeah, a while since we've seen you at Park. Yeah, it's been a while now. Um, I just want to know, I know um, Callum Wilson, um, when you were back in commentary, you worked with him there. Um, can you tell us more about um, your time with him at that time there? And any youth player in Wigan gave you that vibe that you think that he can be, they can be as successful at, um, as him as well? Well, uh, it's a, a, another really good question. And, and I think I'm finding now, even more so being on the touchline and on the warm-ups these days at League One, uh, going out for games. So you look at the other night, Kean Harris played centre-back for Bristol Rovers. Um, I, I coached him when he was 14, 15 years of age at Coventry. Uh, Josh Ruffles has just played 300 games for Oxford United. I had him as a 14, 15, 16-year-old at, at, at Coventry and then he went on to play 100 games for for Coventry or so. So, And then the next one we've got, Peterborough United, is uh, is the formidable Johnson Clark Harris. I, I brought him off the grassroots at 15. Um, to come and join us as a apprentice. He was the youngest ever player to play for Coventry at 16 years and something like 15 days or something like that and uh, go on to have a career. So I'm, I'm loving the fact that, you know, more and more of these lads, these are just three examples, are, are popping up against us. Um, certainly wish Johnson was playing for us on Saturday night, but, uh, but he'll be against us and, and hopefully I'll be able to give some information to our our defenders on, on how best to handle him. Um, but it's great to see, you know, and then you look at the top end, people only really recognise sometimes that the players that are playing at the top level, like James Madison's and, and Callum Wilson's, and they were fantastic young players to, to coach. And, and But there's so many across the, the, the football spectrum. Um, and then you're trying to, when you've, we've had that sort of calibre of player that you develop through, you are it, it's impossible not to try and measure them with the players that you're working with at Wigan. And, and we've had some extremely talented young players coming through. Um, we've had a couple uh, whipped off of us a little bit uh, before we'd have liked. Um, but, you know, we're, we're really proud of, of where they've gone and, and how they're doing. Um, but we know for sure that we've got a, 
a wealth of talent, a wealth of good players, not only broken into our first team now, but also when you look at our under 18s age group and our schoolboys age groups, there's some 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 incredible talent there. Huge credit goes to our head of recruitment, Kenny Williams, who's been with us at the football club um, longer than I have, uh, a few years longer than me. And he's brought in, he and his team of scouts brought in majority of these players. And huge credit goes to these young young coaches who are who are doing a marvellous job, as, as you mentioned there, to, to bring them through the age groups with such a mentality and, and a maturity has, has been a credit to everybody involved. And, you know, you only have to look at Tello, who's, who came to us at five foot two, uh, at 14 years of age. When he signed as a scholar, he was five foot two and a half. Um, he couldn't really deal with full-time football. His body wouldn't accept that. Um, he broke down with injuries on numerous occasions. Over his two-year apprenticeship, probably missed over a year of it. But we stuck with him because we believed in him as a person. We believed in him as a talent. And we knew at some stage he was going to grow. So, um, And he's now six foot one. He's a fantastic shape. Uh, and with all that talent that goes with it, and he looks really robust, and I touch wood that he continues to be so. Um, but that's just sometimes you're looking into the future, and, and, and you know he was a sub at Man United last year. Um, yet those some of those who were starting aren't uh, the first team, and yet he he's now start with our first team on a regular basis. So full credit, it comes down to the individual as well. Uh, Gallen, you know, they've got to have that mentality and that desire to to invest in time in themselves to be the best they could possibly be. And, and Tello Asgard certainly does that. So uh, we've got a, he and he and a few others. And I think that we can uh, certainly um, continue to develop good players and, and sell them on. Hopefully they outgrow us. That's what we want and sell them on for great money. Gregor, can I just come in on uh, on Tello? Because uh, we were just talking about his height and stuff there. And I remember when he first came in for his scholarship and signing, I was taking photos of him thinking, you know, he's got, he's got, you know, what chances he got to be in a, a senior player, you know, because he was, you know, 15, 16, so small. Can you anticipate that growth, you know, with the medical staff and the physical staff? That's one, the first part. And then just the second part of the question, it'd be, I think it'd be great if you could tell the guys a little bit just about Tello's unique family and his sort of background as well in terms of one is international and then the careers that they have. It's, I think it's a fascinating story, isn't it, with Tello, his sort of background and the different uh, sort of interests he's got. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, to, to predict height uh, is not easy. Um there are certain certain research which our sports scientists do. Uh, there's a there's an algorithm which you know goes on family, goes on themselves, uh, and their predicted height. Um, I think he's gone a little bit higher than, than what we expected actually. So, um, but when you've got a talented player, and I and I relay Tello is a little bit like James Madison's upbringing. James Madison was the same, really uh, underdeveloped, physically quite small, but an incredible talent and could affect the game. They can always, they have to be able to affect the game um, as well, even though they're small, affect the game. And uh, 
James Madison did that and Teller Asgard's always done that. And I've always had a feel that if James would do it, then I'm just going to sit tight and wait for Teller. We waited as long as we, we needed to. Um, he's, uh, he's He's been selected for Norway's uh, under-19s. Um, he's got a call-up coming up soon. He was selected for Norway's under-17s. He was born in Liverpool. He's got a Scouse accent. Um, he's eligible for England, Norway, uh, through his father. France, his mother's French, and Scotland, believe it or not. I think a grandparent uh, was born in Scotland somewhere along the line. So quite a unique um, uh, household where, you know, uh, multilingual, uh, multi-language. He speaks a number of languages. And I think his, his father's a musician, a teacher. So, you know, he's got quite, I think natural talent would be the, the word I would I would use. He can put himself, I think he's one of these, a ball, no, no matter what type of ball it is, he's, he's very good at that sport. What a fantastic story. And obviously Tello, I, I remember seeing a photo uh, just last year. And I think a fan tweeted online to see the growth uh, over the last 12 months and, and Teller's been a real standout player. I, I love watching him because he's got that X factor and I believe he could be a massive player for Wig Athletic and, and for the future of the football club. And thank you, obviously, for the great question as well um, to uh, Gallon uh, about Callum Wilson. And obviously we are linked to his uh, teammate, James Madison, too. Uh, so then for the next uh, person who we'd like to ask a question uh, is, is Tony Topping and... Uh, Tony Tony Topping is someone who contributes to the Wig Athletic official program with his uh, travels in, in retro land, and it's always a great read. And uh, Tony, have you got a question for Gregor? I want to say, Gregor, are you surprised by Chris Merry's uh, how far he's come this season? Yes, I think uh, we'd we'd always hope that Chris would would find a way of breaking through again he was another one in his apprenticeship years he picked up a number of injuries and, and we just believed in Chris we had a good year group that year Callum uh, Callum Lang Chris Merry uh, Sam Stubbs was another good player in, in that year group um, Luke Burgess who's at Salford now uh, in that year group we had a really good group just missed out on, on beating Man City in the uh, Youth Cup uh, that year uh, never forget Tom Powell's header from five yards out from a wide free kick in the 90 plus fourth minute uh, straight to the keeper's hands and they beat us in extra time. But uh, Chris is, is, I think Tony, Chris epitomises everything that the staff try and portray to, to players about the way they look after themselves, the way that you lead the way that you carry yourself, the way that you perform, the way that you give effort, the way that you do your gym, the way that you train. Chris Merry epitomises all of that and more. And he's leads by example. He's quite a quiet, shy character uh, off the field, um, but an, a huge competitor on the field. And whilst we were in the championship, the big decision last year was whether we were going to give him another year or not. And we had huge discussions around Chris. And we, we knew that as he was getting towards being sort of 22 years of age, coming up 23 years of age, 
got to go and play first team football. Um, so the idea was to give Chris another year, um, try and loan him out to give him that platform to then see if he could bridge that gap to our first team or give him the opportunity to go and play elsewhere. Um, and and we, 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 we talked to Chris about that plan. And he's come into the first team. He's been unbelievable. And we were only talking about him today. Liam said, the half Miss Chris Merry. And um, from a, from my perspective, that's like probably the greatest compliment you could get from somebody working at senior level is when is when the uh, the, the the head coach is is saying uh, we we miss one of your lads, you know. And 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 it's lovely to hear. He's been incredible. We're hoping that his hamstring tear isn't quite as bad as first thought. We hope we get him back out on the field a bit sooner than, than anticipated. Um, but he's going to be out for a, a few weeks and uh, we will miss him because he gets his role. He gets it. He's, he's a great learner, absorbs information, Tony, and he, and he, and he, and he transfers out onto the field. Yeah. And he loves playing for Wigan Athletic. Oh, God. Thanks, Gregor. Thank you. Chris Mary has been outstanding this season, as, as has all the young players that have uh, made the debuts and, and obviously grown so much throughout the course of the season. I am quite wary of time, so if, if people can uh, send their quest- questions in through the, the chat option of the Zoom, uh, we can get through more questions. And next up, uh, one one final fan question, and, and she's someone who's always known for her pa- the power of positivity on social media. She's known by a lot of Wigan Athletic fans, Deb C. Uh, Deb, do you want to uh, fire with your question? And like I said, Please feel free to type in your question for Gregor. He's, he's been excellent so far tonight. Hiya, Jay. Hiya, Gregor. Thanks for the uh, invite. Um, my question, Gregor, is um, you and Liam are doing a fantastic job and obviously we don't want to get rid of Liam, but we don't know what the future holds. But um, I just want to ask if you could choose um, any manager to manage Wigan Athletic for you to work with, uh, who would it be? Um, and what would make them a good Wigan Athletic manager? So it's a really tough question, Deb. I think uh, certainly with this, with the climate we're in now, I don't think we've got anybody better. I think Liam yeah. has managed the situation for what he's seen and gone through since the project really uh, disappear uh, from the championship last year. Uh, to lead one with so many players that he and Paul brought to the club. Um, I think his, his his leadership, as I mentioned before, and his mentality has been second to none. And and I agree. I, I, I just think that to find somebody who could have done it better, I would I would think would be a really difficult thing to do because he, he understands a club and knows a club. Um, so supporting Liam um, with, the, with the other academy staff that are doing so has been been um been a pleasure and um been really proud to do so um to, to the, the, the manager that i would love to to work with the most oh that's a tough one um that's a real tough one uh you can choose my, a previous manager if you wish no well it definitely wouldn't be me dad he's too tough dad. on me so i played under my dad when i was at millwall as a kid and uh so it won't be him. Um, I, I tell you, this isn't going to go down well, Debs. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to really. This is not going to go down well with the Wigan fans. That's what you're saying. Um, so when I was at Coventry, well, 
my dad was manager of Middlesbrough in 1986 to 1990, and his captain was Tony Mowbray. Tony Mowbray, I was 12, 13 years of age at that time, and he was my hero. He was one of my boyhood heroes. I was in the changing room every week. I was handing the match ball before he ran out on the field. He carries himself unbelievably well. He's an incredible human being. He's an incredible person. When I was at Coventry and I left Coventry to come to Wigan, he joined Coventry literally months after I joined Wigan. And at that time, I was gutted that I never worked under him. Um, so, but I, but I, but I found Wigan Athletics, so I can't grumble. Um, so I probably missed out on working with my my boyhood hero. Um, by only a matter of months. So that's probably as close to the, the answer I can get you, Debs. So if his name comes up in the future, we can guarantee that you said he, it'll be okay for us. Yeah? Tony Mowbray's a great guy. He's a great guy. I think it'll be exciting times going forward. So we're looking forward to what, what it brings us and, and, and we'll get used to change again and uh, hope for the better that we're all heading in the same direction. And... Um, that goes that goes with the territory. So uh, yeah, but in the meantime, we're just fully committed to 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 doing what we've got to do. Of course. Thank you very much and good luck for the rest yeah. of the season. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. What a great answer. And uh, the next question is from Nathan Pugh and he asked, Are you surprised with how quickly the you, your younger players adapted uh, to first team football? Yeah, in, in a way I am. I think the They've, they've carried themselves brilliantly because if I'm being realistic uh, with some of our young players, our plan 12 months ago was to put them on professional contracts and try and get them some senior football at a level. And I don't think with any with no appearances next to their name, it would have been nigh on impossible to get the majority of these lads out to League One. We'd have probably been looking in the non-league circles for that to get the first senior football, whereas it's fast-tracked them. Um, they've gone in and they've carried themselves with uh, with huge credibility. And, uh, you know, the characters, I was never never doubting, it's whether they could bridge that gap and they're showing that. And they, they, they can't wait and there's more that are desperate for their chance. But it's like anything else. It's quite easy to put two or three in, one or two in at a time, two or three in at a time. When you're talking six and sevens, it, it becomes quite difficult then to to manage at that level or play at that level. So uh, all in good time. Everybody's got a different journey to get there. It's how they get there um, and that they get there that is important. What a great answer. And linking on really nicely to that question, Fabian Kenny would like to know, what do you think are the key elements that a young player needs to develop to play in the first team? Well, there's the, the certainly young players, there's certainly a physical element. I mean, the physical demands are incredible. Um, from playing under-18s football to, to first-team football, which is why we try and send them out on loan. You look at Adam Long, excuse me, we sent to Notts County last year to get some of that senior football to bridge that gap. And when he, he's come in to our first team, he, he looks like he can cope physically. So the physical demands, working hard at their uh, their, their programme, their gym programme, investing in themselves, having the right character, uh, the attitude is huge for us. Uh, attitude uh, to to be prepared to take yourself out of the comfort zone, to, to be the best you can possibly be. Um, 
and that goes with being on and off the pitch. Psychologically, though, there's a big, big, big challenge, Jay. You know, I've even found that myself with the difference between working at academy level and working at senior level, as I have done over the last few months. The travelling is incredible. The distances, the travel, the the the, the dead time on a coach. Um, the, the, the time spent sometimes the night before the match in a hotel, it's not glamorous. It's, you know, and then you're away from your family. Uh, the hours that you spend preparing for the next game, uh, managing all the things off the pitch. I, I think for a player, I think getting used to all the differences that, that come with that, because psychologically you have, to, you have to bring yourself back down and then bring yourself back up again. That's not easy. And they've got to deal with disappointment quickly, Jay, because every week our, our, our profession is unique. You're either good enough or classed as good enough for the Saturday or you're not. There's no in-between. A lot of other jobs, you finish on a Friday, you can relax, you go back to work Monday, you know what you're set out to do for the rest of the week. This is you're being judged. And as a young player, you're being judged sometimes. You're not playing on a, on a Saturday for manager's reasons for picking the team and then in your mind you feel that you're not good enough but it's not necessarily the case uh, and then the next week you're playing and all of a sudden you're good enough again and then come the Monday you've got to put yourself in a position where you're good enough again the following week so psychologically there's a there's a lot of resilience and mentality that goes with it so there's no one thing there's a there's a great deal and of course you've got to have ability and talent that goes with that as well which we, I've, I've not even touched on that's a, that's a great answer. And Sam Remington would like to know, you touched upon it briefly then, uh, what's it been like to step up from coaching the academy to the first team and being involved with that? Yeah, I mean, that, that side of it's been probably the biggest challenge for me um, is, is, the, is, is, is a lot of the travelling. and it's the, the, I mentioned before, the, there's, the results are just, they, they either bring you up here or, or bring you down there, whereas academy football... I, you know, we set out our teams to, to perform well, and if they win, great. And if they don't, so what? Who, who remembers how we played against whoever three years ago? Nobody remembers that. It's about that player that, that comes through. So we're not, we're, we're more dictated on performances rather than results, where there's, this is certainly a results game, and we want the performances to back that up. Um, so that's been, been, uh, been huge, and it's been really challenging and tough. And then the time away from family, I've got a 15-month-old little boy. You know, we had him last November and then we went into lockdown. So I spent quite a few months with him as a, when he was four, five, six months. And then since then, uh, not a great deal. So fortunately, my wife, uh, we've been together for over 20 years. So she kind of understands it. But I kind of forgot all about how that much travelling from being a player to, to now. So, yeah. The travel's always grueling, and I'm sure Ash will also agree because I know he's done a lot of uh, hard miles as well, covering with the uh, the media team. Uh, the ne- the next question would be from uh, Ian Trencher, and he would like to know: uh, do you, Did you have much exposure to Wigan Athletic before joining the club in 2013, and, and possibly when your dad Bruce was uh, the manager here in the 2000-201 season? Yeah, so I came I came quite a bit in the 2000-2001 uh, season. I think I was playing at Macclesfield at the time, so I was living in. Sandbach. My mum and dad were living in Northwich, uh, which was nice because we were quite close together as, uh, as far as geographically. Because 
during my time as a player, when I was playing for Hull, my mum and dad were in Norfolk. Now I'm living in Cheshire. My parents live in Cornwall. So, you know, seeing my parents when he was manager at Wigan was brilliant for, for what was it, about three quarters of a season. Uh, and I used to come along to some of the evening games, some of the, the games when I wasn't playing myself. Um, and uh, I, I got a bit of time. The stadium was almost brand new then. You know, it felt really fresh. You know, remember Rigoletto's as well, uh, having a few bites to eat in there. So I had a bit of exposure, understanding Wigan Athletic, and of course, Mr. Whelan, um, back in, even back in those days, and the driving force behind this football club getting to the Premier League. And I joined the season after we won the FA Cup. Uh, Matt Jackson was working at the club. Um, so Matt played for my dad at, uh, at Norwich. I knew Matt from a, being a young age as well. And we just had some sort of uh, some, some dialogue and some conversations and discussions about how this club was going to take its academy forward. And it hadn't really had a, a tradition of developing a wealth of players. It had some really key players that had come through uh, that had gone on to do great things like Baines and McManaman. And, um, but a, a wealth of players coming through. And uh, thank God it did, really, because, you know, of course, it's always hard in the Championship to Premier League to put players through your academy and in. Some clubs are doing it fantastically well. Um, but for us going into League One and relying on our academy, it's just amazing that Jonathan Jackson had the foresight that one day we would need our academy. And uh, I'd say people have suggested that the uh, the academy at one stage early on in administration say the football club, but I would say Jonathan Jackson did that in 2013. It's, it's been absolutely fantastic. And your other club has been outstanding and uh, the next question is from Connor Donnelly and he said that uh, you spent two years managing in Denmark how different is the English game compared to Denmark yeah very different especially when you're going from like the lower echelons of in the English game as what it was the old third division to to Danish football I think that just the whole culture was different very family orientated um Danish football the European model of football is your football clubs, your hub of all social activity. So the small club that I was at, they had handball, volleyball, uh, indoor football, your football club, they would have uh, a darts, they'd have billiards, they'd have anything that your athletics club, it was all there at that club. So everybody knew everybody from the town. It was a real community. Um, whereas we have a lot of non-league football, we have a lot of grassroots football, everything's at these these clubs. So it was different to see, really good model to see. But what I learned a lot about was the calm, a lot of calm uh, style of football. Uh, there was probably only about 5% of teams out in the whole of the leagues would play sort of, they call it, kick and rush. Everybody was looking to try and play football. And then when you look at the Danish players that have come to this country uh, and, and play, they've always, always felt it was a bit slower in Denmark, uh, the style of football on a Saturday uh, or Sunday as we played a lot. But when the Danes came over to England, I felt that they adapted quite quickly to the tempo and the pace and the frantic side of our game. 
So I learned a lot about myself, 29 years of age, going abroad, different language, different culture, uh, on my own, left my, my, my wife, who was my fiance at the time, here in England for two years uh, for a commitment to, 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 to better myself. And, uh, great experience that's an absolutely fascinating answer and what a great experience that just 29 and a lot of this mental health group is something that's really special and it's been a real shining light over the last eight months although we've all got different financial backgrounds life situations we're all united uh, in the love for athletic and for for anyone who who may be struggling with their mental health and it's been a really tough time over the last year with the pandemic and the administration would you have any advice to anyone who may be struggling with their mental health yeah i think we've all been affected in one way or another and i think that uh, we we the 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 big message is 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 finding the effort to speak out and to speak with people uh whether they're close to you or even uh, great um great organizations um like yourselves that are putting this on uh, our community trust are amazing uh, community trust i think probably the best in the country at what they do i think uh i think the important thing is uh, is as i mentioned before direction uh having a purpose and direction and i think now that we've seen we're hearing and we're seeing that there are uh times to change for better and uh, you know we've got what over nearly 20 million people with the vaccine now and and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel for going back to what we know as normality um planning things planning uh, having a purpose planning things uh looking forward to enjoyments people having what they call their their little bucket list the the things that they're looking for to doing you know and and ticking them off um and in the meantime finding things to achieve each day, whether that be going for a walk, whether that be doing some exercise, whether that's listening to a podcast, have you, have you, it might be five commitments uh, each day. Um, you don't need to be too strict with yourself. I found when I did the 10 commitments, I was getting a bit disappointed when I was only reaching eight out of the 10. So you've got to then reevaluate yourself and go, okay, what is it I really want to do? Uh, one of them was just eating fruit. You know, I'm a terrible one for eating fruit. You know, I eat some fruit. It was a tick in the box for us. So finding things to achieve, as simple as that. And um, feel good about yourself because we've been through a great deal. And you should be proud. Everybody should be proud about getting to this stage and looking forward to now going on to the next stage. And uh, hopefully uh, my aim uh, for everybody that's a Wigan Athletic fan is that we can continue to try and put smiles on people's faces uh, uh, whatever time it is after a game, whether it be five o'clock or, or nine o'clock these days, it changes the time of the kickoffs every day. So I was going to say quarter to five, but, um, but no, our, our job is to try and keep smiles on people's faces and keep believing and keep the faith. Over the last um, 12 months, you've, you've done so much that's made every Wake Athletic fan proud of everyone at the club. And you've spoken with a lot of pride and passion tonight. I've always admired you professionally, but, but now I have a new admiration for you personally. And uh, just to sum things up now, can you describe what Wake Athletic means to you? Oh, in, in, in words, very difficult um, because I'd probably get too emotional if I did. Um, no, I can. I think. Um, well, I think when you when you see uh, see so many people lose their jobs, 
early on in the season. I think that was really, really difficult uh, for everybody still associated with the football club. And I think if I can sum it up, I think, you know, for me personally, I'm fully committed to making sure that uh, we do for those 75 people that lost their jobs justice in, 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 in this season and uh, in going forwards um, because I, th- I think I'm all about fairness and uh, I don't think that was fair and I don't think that was anything to do with, with themselves individually. However, um, we've been, I've been blessed. I've been um, given the, um, I'm trying to think of the word, I've been given uh, the honour of, of, of taking on a challenge uh, to try and uh, do justice to everybody, not only on this call or our supporters, uh, but the people who've gone before us, uh, as I mentioned there, the Dave Whelans, the Jonathan Jacksons um, of this world. We, we must do this club justice and, and we must do what we can uh, to make sure we put more smiles on faces. So um, difficult to put into words for me. It means everything. I've, I've invested a lot of my own personal time uh, towards the cause of developing young players. I'm probably not enjoying that as much as I should do because that was the job. But there's been another job been put in front of us and uh, everybody at the football club uh, is fully committed and motivated to, to seeing that through. Absolutely fantastic answer. And Wigan Athletic means so much to so many people. And one moment that always sticks in my mind, I'm actually going to ask him the question. Ash, you did a fantastic and really empowering and uplifting speech before the game against Brentford. And I know it brought a tear to a lot of people's eye. I'm man enough to say it even brought a tear to my eye. So, uh, Ash, what does Wigan Athletic mean to you? Because obviously you're, you're not originally Wigan, but you're definitely an adopted one now. Oh, you've caught me off guard here a bit, Jay. <laughs> you put me on the spot. No, I mean, similar to what Greg has said, I mean, I think I think what I've always found with this club is is the people that I've worked with, the people I've connected with, a lot of you guys on this call who I've spoke to at the time, there's just very special people involved with it, you know, people that deeply care, you know. I think the club's numbers from the outside always get knocked in terms of the supporters and but as I said at the time, I think it's quality, not quantity, really, on that front. I just think, like, the way everybody's come together, you know, is is incredible. And, you know, Greg, I think, has got it perfect when he says, you know, it's a crisis within a crisis we face, you know. How many clubs, we've seen clubs face the challenges of administration, financial troubles, but how many clubs within a pandemic like this have come through it like we have in the in the last eight months? You know, the, the money that was raised initially to get us to the end of the season – the funds that were put together then from the campaign, you know, with the supporters club, you know, it's just incredible. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's been really special for me. The memories, you know, that we, that we've all got are are incredible. And the friends I've made within supporters, within staff, you know, be friends for life. And that's, you know, I have to say, you know, that's what I'm, I've been incredibly proud to be part of it over the last seven years. It's just such a great club. It really is incredible. And, very unique, very unique in the way it is because I think it's had such. Um, David Lee said it once, um, like it, it, it's been a small club in many ways, but it's also been so high as well. And I just think that's so unique. You've seen there's not many clubs really that have had that journey of non-league. You know, I, I read like Tony's column in the program and speak to supporters who talk about you know Jeff Wright and obviously I speak to like you know Tommy Gore and the different eras there of non-league and Northern Premier League. 
um, just before the league. And like, there'll be people that have watched us play in, you know, what I know as Kendall Town, uh, I think it's Neverfield at the time and stuff, you know, in the, in, che- in the Cheshire County League. And then people that have watched us play Man United at Old Trafford. You know, how, how unique is that? Like, it's, it's incredible. I just don't think there's anything that compares in the pyramid to that. It's such a special club and to think since 2013 we've won the FA Cup, we've had a European tour, we've won two League One titles, we've we've set we've smashed so many records. Even in administration, we beat the uh, record win, 8-0 over Hull, and it, it's such a special club. And there's a few more fan questions which uh, we'd we'd like to get through. Um in, in terms of the, the questions tonight, thank you so much for obviously being a part of the event and sending your questions because it's always much appreciated. And, and Sam Wall would like to know, Gregor. What job would you be doing if you weren't involved in football? Um, it's, 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 it, I can't even imagine that one up. I've, I've been in football since I was just before I was 16 years of age. And of course, I, I, I was brought up um, in a footballing family from forever, from whatever ever I can remember. So um, football's all I've ever known. Um, I wasn't really... Uh, that academic at school because um, I was always looking out the window wanting to play football um, so I let my family down my parents down a little bit with uh, my school grades etc when I was younger which is why I'm conscious with our young young talented footballers as apprentices that they've got to come away with an education and they do that when they're, when they're at the football club as well as their apprenticeship they're part of it is the education and getting grades um, I went back to learn academically got a degree got a, a distinction uh, which was something I wanted to make my parents proud of um, uh, and I did that only a couple of years ago so I, I really don't have an answer I think I was probably going to go into something like a PE or something like that anything that was active and outdoors um, so yeah it's a great question it's, it's always funny to think of like alternative careers uh, and what, what you may be doing if you weren't involved in football. And thankfully for everyone at Wigan Athletic and also at Coventry, you went down the path you did. And, and Martin Roach wants to know, as an academy coach, if you felt that your role in the club was seen to be developing assets rather than young players for the first team, would this change your views on the role or is it always your brief? Well, just repeat that one again. It, I, I didn't quite catch that one. No problem. Uh, Martin Roach would like to know, as an academy coach, if you felt your role in the club was seen to be de- developing assets rather than young players for the first team, would this change your views on the role, or is this always a brief? No, I think I think um, we set out um, very early on what our targets were. Um, one of those was to produce um, players for our first team, um, but I've always been a big believer that. You'll, you'll develop players who will outgrow the football club and go on to, to be sold uh, for, for, for money, whether that's small amounts, big amounts. And one of our, um, one of our mantras at the club was to out, have players outgrow us. And my target was for the academy to be a financially self-sustainable department. So whatever money we put in, to the academy we would get back eventually so for instance i'll use a figure if we put in a hundred thousand pounds as a football club into the academy over 10 years that's a million pound over 10 years i would expect us to sell at least a million pounds worth of talent that's part and parcel of the business as well as 
uh, developing young, talented footballers to play in our first team. I felt we were on that journey with Joe Gellart, Jensen Weir, um, and uh, Alfie Devine, for sure, who are probably the immediate talents that come to mind about who, who left us probably just before their time. But we still got some OK money uh, in return for them. I believe over the next five years um, that we will develop, have players outgrow us, and we will sell enough talent that will will uh, will have covered my time at the football club and have talented players that go in. It's just part of the, the business model as well as uh, the, the football model. Um, so, yeah, it's, it goes hand in hand. That's a, a great insight into the philosophy behind that because, obviously, as football fans, you might not necessarily hear about this or see what happens. And I want to ask one fan if you'd like to ask a question because I know he'll be itching to ask you something. Michael Bentley, if you'd like to ask a question to Gregor, uh, I know you're a long-term Latics fan and someone who's always been really supportive of the Wigan Athletic Supporters Mental Health Group. Yeah, thanks. Hi, Gregor. Thanks for your insights and introductions. I mean, I made these notes over three hours ago. Yourself and Jay have touched on some of them earlier. Yeah, ten Commitments, for example. Anyway, here goes what I wrote. In my opinion, awareness of mental ill health is not only beneficial for people at the start of their football careers, but also can be help when these youngsters clock off and go home to their families. Mums, dads, uncles, aunties, brothers and sisters and fellow supporters, some of whom might be suffering, especially during this lockdown pandemic and the long-running administration of this football club. Remembering the sad death of Welsh football manager Gary Speed, then ex-Latics keeper Chris Kirkland and many more sportsmen and women when their playing days were over or near over, etc., and they admitted to struggling with mental health issues. Do the Latics have any classes on mental health support within the training schedule and agenda for all the players and not forgetting the staff? Thank you. Fantastic question, Michael, and very relevant. Um, I think you've mentioned some some really key key figures there. Uh, some some heroes of ours, you know, um, and I think when you are brought up in football, you uh, are involved in changing rooms where you're part of a a clan, if you like. You could call it many other things: clan, a, a group of people, friendships, teamships, and you going out on a match day, and you hear the euphoria of the supporters cheering you on. Uh, and that elation, that that buzz that you get, and then all of a sudden uh, it finishes, and then it's well, what's next? All I've known is football. All I've known is the elation. All I've known is the spotlight. It's very difficult to recreate that in any other walk of life, especially if you've not been preparing for that. So when players come into our uh, football club as an apprentice. Uh, they come in on that two-year apprenticeship. We also have our head of education and welfare full-time at the club, Mike Hearn, who has a programme called Having a Laugh, L-A-F, Having a Life After Football. 
Uh, it's quite a nice little way of of putting it. Um, he designed that program himself, which involves areas such as money matters, um, uh, having a plan for after football. Uh, we've currently got uh, one player learning a language uh, in our under-23s group. Uh, we've got one player learning towards being a trade tradesman outside of football, um, doing a, a college course. Um, and we open up opportunities for for young players to have a backup plan, part of the education as well, up to 18, as I mentioned. After that, having a life after football. Um, because there is a small percentage of young people who do make it as their own career. Um, so we're fully aware of that. Then you look at areas such as the PFA, who have the safety net, which is very much around mental health. Um, and then you've got other areas of the PFA, which we're all a union of. So I'm 45 years of age now. I look a lot older after the last eight months, I know. But um, we have, I'm still a member of the PFA. I've not paid my contributions. I don't have to pay contributions since the day I finished playing, um, which is only a small amount of uh, money each year to become a member. But what I get is I get it, uh, I get money off courses, uh, so the course that I did recently, I got money uh, discounted for uh, and support through PFA. I've also got direct access to um, the Sport and Chance, uh, which was set up by Tony Adams originally, and also the Safety Net and many other areas that the PFA have. So every young player has that um, opportunity if they are having issues and they don't feel comfortable at talking to somebody at the club, they can talk to somebody independently. I think it's vital. I think the PFA, although it's taken some some welly over the last couple of years, I think it's the best union in the world. I, I really do. I don't see any any other union doing what what the PFA does. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, there's a lot of specialists now with a lot of the agents that that, that, that come on board. You've got good agents, bad agents, but most kids now who are 15, 16 have an agent, and they have support as well in their big companies that, that run towards mental health. So I think there is out there, a lot out there. I think a lot of the area is is for young people to be aware of what is out there. And I think that's what we can do more of at the football club, say, these are your options. These are the things that are available to you. And at 16, 17, 18, you don't always know. Um, it's a lot a lot easier when you when you more my age to know what it what is out there and what is their support what access I, I can just grab direct you know um, and then of course the other side of it is I'm I'm looking at uh, speaking with Tom Flower when we return to see if there's something we can together himself and Ash had, and, and Tom have had some uh, good conversations about putting something together. Um, but it's at the very early stages of that, which I'm hoping would come to fruition. Thank you very much for that, Gregor. Thank you very much. Cheers. That was, that was a really fa fantastic insight into the mental health support offered by Wing Athletic. And I want to bring in another fan now. He's, he's a, a very close friend of mine and he's someone that always does a lot for, for so many different people. Paul Roach, have you got a question you'd like to ask Gregor? He's still here. He might have gone, but we can go to his brother, Martin. Martin Roach, uh, do you have a question in Paul's absence? 
Yeah, I think you, you answered one of my questions before with regards to the um, the actual academy um, and how your role would be. Um, another thing with regards to the academy, with the sale of Exton, um, does that impact our Category 2 status that we got in 2019? And as this academy status changes, does that affect your role? And what we can you do extra things based on the academy status? The, in in short, in short answer to that is the sale of Exton, Exton didn't have any impact on the academy uh, status at all. Um, going from category three to category two just opened up a, a bigger uh, a bigger opportunity for us. I think I've always looked at it this way: if you're trying to produce Premier League players, then you need to be performing week in, week out on your match days against other Premier clubs trying to do the same thing. So other Premier League clubs and other Premier League players. We were trying to develop championship players at Category 3 for so many years with all due respect against teams who were, some were still non-league, some were in League 2, who were developing players for League 2 stroke non-league. And when you're pitched up against that challenge, I don't think that you're stretching yourselves enough outside, again, that comfort zone to improve. So our biggest challenge was we want to develop players for the championship and above. We need to make sure that we're performing at that level. To get into that games programme, we had to be category two. To do that, we had to to, to do so many things to, to, to suffice in all of it. And, and I was delighted that we did. We got great support and uh, we got... Uh, we had superb access to uh, to Stadium Way uh, as well, which was the indoor, which was a, a mandatory requirement. Cheers for that. Another great answer. And another fan uh, who'd like to ask a question is uh, Rosemary. She asked, uh, do you miss that the fans being in attendance? Because obviously I can't help but think when that 95th men went in, although it was absolute joy and it was a moment where we'll, we'll never forget I just can't help but think how crazy would that way end been at yeah, Bristol. I totally agree. I think there's nothing like it. It is it is now be- become a little bit mundane, especially when you're going into the stadium and there's nobody there. And it's always nice to to drive into the stadium, a few supporters milling around. And as you're warming up, more support's coming in and just that whole atmosphere. And And, and it went through my mind as well, Jay. You know, the other night you're thinking, wow. And, and, and Ash mentioned it as well. What would it have been like just to some of the lads with, with, that he interviewed afterwards with, you know, three, four hundred fans behind the goal and even more? You know, it would have just been unbelievable to share that experience. And, and I think that's what we're all looking forward to going forward because there is nothing quite like it. Um, a win, uh, a goal. But I also, for our young lads, you know, they've made their debuts and they've played a season almost. And they haven't actually experienced that next step, which is playing in front of fans. So as much as I'm surprised in a way of how some of them have dealt with playing first-team football, we still haven't seen how they cope with that when the supporters come back in. And I'm sure they'll embrace it and really look forward to it. So, uh, and, 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 and in the position we're in, it's like having a 12-man, isn't it? Absolutely. And do you think, in a way, the absence of fans, although it's been a massive negative in terms of you want the fans roaring you on, but do you think in a way it's helped the players settle down a little bit more? 
Yeah, I, I, it most likely has done for, for one or two, but I, I, I still think the stimulus, because we've got some really good players at the club, you know, recruited in January. We've got players that have played, excuse me, in the Championship, League One, really good levels. And I, and I think that they, they probably need that stimulus. So I think these uh, forums, social media, the support we're getting, creating that di- uh, identity for the players, the connection between the supporters and the players is vital for us going forward. So um, it's well heard, even though we can't hear you whilst we're out there on a match day, we know you're there and we can hear you before and after. And we know that you're, you're shouting at the TV, uh, hopefully not throwing anything at it. And uh, we know that you're celebrating when we win as well. Absolutely. And it's the power of social media as well, because the fans can still feel connected in a way and and through fantastic events like this too. And I really appreciate your time. I'm going to ask as well, Will Patterson, have you got a question you'd like to ask? Yeah, uh, thanks, Jay. Uh, Thanks for uh, uh, coming and doing this, Gregor. Uh, I think the sort of big question is, obviously seeing all of the uh, uh, academy players actually make it into the first team, even under the circumstances, how proud do you feel of that? You must be sort of sat there thinking, I did that. Yeah, more we. Uh, I've got an unbelievable team, Will, behind me. Thank you. Yeah, it's... Um, no, it, it, I'm extremely proud. I know that every... Well, I'm on the, the WhatsApp group, the Academy group, and you know when Callum Lang scores that goal at the DW uh, the other day against Lincoln. Again, it's another moment that you, you wish the supporters were there. And when you see him performing like he has, I think he's scored four and four now and he's really taken taken the season on. He's rolled his sleeves up and he said, this is me, this is what I'm all about. You know, those moments, these young lads who are, are breaking in and breaking through and holding their own. Uh, Luke Robinson, after, after the warm-up against Bristol Rovers, he's only played two games in his career. And we've done the warm-up. And he walks past me as if he's a senior pro goal. We're right at it today, we are. We're right at it. And and he walks past it. And it's like something you usually hear from a 26, 27-year-old. But it, it, it fills me with warmth because he's probably trying to reassure me. He's 18, 19, 19 years of age, trying to reassure me that it's all right, Craig. We've got this, you know. And, and that's nice. And it's we're working well together on that. And I'm really proud. These lads are, are, are what what gets me out of bed and what gets me into work and it isn't really work whole city was a, a, a terrible day um for us all we, we you know again them emotions of, of being beat five nil and then the following day i go to watch our under 23s play uh, against whole cities under 23s at york city's old ground and it was i think it was the last game that's ever going to be played there um our under-23s were unbelievable that day. We've got six under-18s playing in it. And from going from really deflated the day before, after the game, I thanked the players for motivating me for the following day. And that's really where where these young lads are at. They they, they continue to to put a smile on, on, on our faces. So, um, And, well, it means so much to them. You know these lads have come through for for so many years. They, there's no there's no identity problem there. They know exactly why they're they're doing what they're doing.
Thanks, Greg. Do you think actually having so many of them have to step up at the same actually helps in a way because they knew each other? Yeah, I think so. In, in a way, um, I think it's really good to have experience, youth with experience alongside each other. You know, certainly I think there's you learn so much. But they've, they've, they've stood on their own two feet. You know, when, when Alex Perry and Chris Merry have played in the midfield, they know each other's game, you know, so that, that's given us a comfort. Um, you know, and then uh, as well with players, you know, certain strengths. Um, but, you know, when Chris Merry talks about our football club and Callum Lang, you see him talking with his feet on the football pitch, you know how much it means to him. Thanks, Gregor. And, uh, you know, good luck and thank you for everything you're doing and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. It's been great to see. I know you, you mentioned the story of Luke Robinson and how he's been acting like a senior player. Do you believe that some of the younger lads have become men over the last uh, eight months and obviously shown those traits of a, of a leadership? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when you think about all the drama that's surrounded our football club, uh, the one thing myself and Liam talked about quite a lot of was eliminate the drama. We don't drama. We want just to concentrate and focus on the football um, so when you see uh, the young lads performing like they have done, and, uh, and 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 I'd say also with the with the with the new influx of players since January, I think they've really taken what the club means to us, and uh, I think we're growing day by day. You know, not just these young lads maturing. I think the whole group, self included, uh, with the academy staff that are supporting the first team at the moment, Frankie Bond. Uh, from the under-23s. We brought Peter Murphy into it from the under-18s as well. Uh, Aaron Cameron, the goalkeeper coach. So it was important we brought in an addition, another one into the group when we brought Peter Murphy in because now with five subs, you've got so many changes in a game that it's important that uh, somebody was just designated to set play. So little things like that, we're all growing, we're all learning Another change to our season was the rule change. So how did we deal with that? So when a sub comes on for the opposition, you'll see Peter Murphy now in the six-yard box with Liam directing which player's got to pick him up at set pieces and such, you know, because it's a, it's a full job in itself that, you know, and uh, there's so much going on in the game. For one person, just take the whole lot on is, is quite a lot. So, um, yeah, we're all growing at the same time. What a great answer. And, and you mentioned briefly your answers there, obviously, everything that's happening off the field. How do you protect the players and, and help them concentrate on just on-field matters? I think Liam's done that great. You know, we're, we're all on the same page. Uh, we've all got the same direction. Um, and what we've, what we've come to terms with is what's the worst that can happen? You know, so we're going into a game against Peterborough on Saturday, uh, top of the table. What's the worst that can happen? We've probably had worse already this season. So with that in mind, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off uh, these young lads, takes the pressure off the players. And all we ask for from each other and all the players ask for each other is hard work, um, effort and trying to put a smile on your faces. What, what a great philosophy. And I can safely say 
over the last eight months, you've put a smile on so many fans' faces. And, and to, to give up your time tonight is much appreciated. And the one final question I always like to ask, uh, what would be your message to the Athletic supporters on the call and obviously watching this uh, for the rest of the season? Well, I think, as I mentioned before, we'll certainly be giving our full commitment and motivation towards uh, remaining in this division. Our sole focus is to make sure that the next time our supporters come and watch us play live, that we're playing in League One. And, uh, and we'll do our utmost to, to, to make that happen. And along the way, if we can put a few more smiles on faces, um, a few smiles on my own face as well on a, on a Saturday coming home would be would be would be fantastic, you know, because the differences of of, of winning and losing, we know when we hurt, we know that you're hurting even more. So uh, it's about making ourselves feel good about ourselves and and uh, look forward to that future because uh, it's not far away. And before we know it, we'll be uh, bouncing at the DW. I uh, can't express that sentiment enough I cannot wait to be along with the fellow fans and, and be along that atmosphere on that first game back at the Euro Stadium it's something we've all longed since last March I imagine that the game the nil-nil quite uneventful draw against Luton Town uh, was the last time we saw Wigan play live and I'm sure it's only a matter of time now with the, the progress the government is making to get that next step and uh, I'd like to really thank for you for your time tonight and obviously Wigan Athletic as well for setting it up it's been fantastic and just to emphasise too uh, mental health affects one in four people in the United Kingdom and in the Wigan Athletic Sports Club uh, mental health group, you could speak to anyone uh, whenever you like without the fear of being judged. You can contact us via, via Twitter at Was Mental Health, WhatsApp or Facebook. And I feel like it, it's very, a very special community. Uh, it's very respectful. And there's so many great mental health organisations away from us too. The Mind Charity do so much great work. The Athletic Community Trust do excellent work. And the Samaritans and a bit closer to home as well, MFI Northwest. They're a non-profit organisation based in Wigan that offer really good intervention to couples, uh, individuals with counselling that tailor to your specific needs. And it, it means so much to us and, and so much to myself and, and everyone in this call that you've given up your Thursday evening to, to speak to everyone. And, and the same goes for Ash as well, because you're one of the unsung heroes at the football club and, and you deserve a lot of credit. So, uh, and I know you're quite a very unassuming guy in, in terms of, you don't really like too much praise and attention, but I just think you deserve a bit of a shout out as well because you've been great for, for me and obviously for all the fans too. So uh, before I obviously the evening ends, does anything else have anything like they'd like to add? I'd just like to come in at this. I was just going to come in um, and just say, you know, well done to yourself, Jay, with everything you've done throughout the, you know, the past few months. It's been, as Gregor mentioned earlier, it's been outstanding. The coverage you've provided to supporters via the interviews and the initiative that you've shown has been, you know, it's been excellent. Um, you know, I know a lot of staff have, have watched the interviews and stuff along the way. And, you know, the group itself as well that you've set up is obviously a great place for many supporters to come together and talk in what's been a, a really challenging time. So, you know, you know, well done to you. Continue, you know, doing what you're doing. Um, you know, you, you, you're doing a lot of supporters proud as well in what you're doing. So, um, you know, well done to you and everyone just, you know, Keep uh, keep supporting, keep smiling like you are. Hopefully, we'll have a few more nights like Bristol, as uh, Gregor mentioned. Uh, I, c- I certainly hope for a few more that I can commentate on like that because they're the easy ones. When when you lose five nil to Hull at home, it's it's not quite the same. It's a bit difficult. But when you get ninety fifth minute winners and you can just scream down the microphone, it, it's just easy work. That <laughs> absolutely, it, it's a moment you'll never forget, and it's a commentator's dream a ninety fifth minute winner, especially when it's uh, for your side. And uh, just just before I go as well, is it, would any fans like to add anything before we leave? 
Uh, hi, Jay. I, I know a lot of fans. Hi, Fab, are you still there? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I thought I cut across you then. Uh, I just, I mean, it's, it's kind of been said, but um, I just want to, uh, well, I've got the opportunity to pass on my thanks to Gregor um, and the rest of the team for the way that they've conducted themselves through, you know, what has been a difficult time. But I think um, what's shown is the the attitude and the way that um, certainly the leadership has conducted themselves has filtered out throughout the whole team. And, you know, that's plain for everyone to see. And uh, like I say, whilst I've got the opportunity, I just want to say a real big thank you. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Thanks, Fabian. Really appreciate it. What, what a great message. Yeah. And I think as well, when we look back in, in history, 20 years on from when we're going into the administration, we'll remember how the fans stuck together, that the club stuck together, the staff, the management, the players all came together as one and fought for the same cause and, and progress with unity. And I think that's what makes Wigan Athletic such a special club. We're unique, like I said. It's not, not about the numbers. It's always about the, the, the many people who love this football club and will do anything to support the football club, whether it's the fundraising, supporting on a match day, supporting any way they can. We've got fans all over the world. And, and for a club which is traditionally dominated and, and often described as a rugby town, I believe it's a very special club. And the impact it's had on, on so many different people across the world and across the town is is very special. And uh, it, a massive part of that is, is down to the fans, everyone at this club, uh, the management and the staff. And like I said, thank you so much for, for everyone's time tonight. It's been much appreciated. Enjoyed my evening with you guys. Thank you. Take care. Go get us three points on Saturday, Gregor. Yeah, three points, please. Fingers crossed. Shot win. Thanks very much, Thank guys. Bye. Thank you. And as well, if, if anyone needs anything, please feel free to contact us on the Facebook, Twitter, or WhatsApp. We'll always be uh, a listening ear for, for anyone who needs our support. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Take All care. All the best, guys. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. Everyone. Thanks, Take everyone. Care, everyone. Thank you. Guys.